What are you doing? Is that a caffeinated beverage? You better put that down unless it's manufactured by the Coca-Cola company because that's the only caffeine that Jesus drinks. You're listening to Plegonometry. This is a podcast where each week yours truly sits down with a member of my giant family to have a little chit chat about what it's like growing up with an atypical amount of moms. And speaking of moms, my first priority before we get started is to give a shout out to moms everywhere and wish all of you a happy Mother's Day. And if you're one of those people who just barely realized that it's Mother's Day, stop the episode right now and call your mom and tell her how bad of a child you are that you forgot that it's Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a big deal in the AUB just due to the sheer amount of moms there are. Um, But uh, I have something that I just wanted to say. All the other moms out there, you're not as good as my mom. Um, That's the truth. That's the way it is. I don't want to rain on your parade, but my mom's the best. (laughs) But before I get started into what's happening on the show this week, I do have some exciting news, everybody. I booked my first comedy gig since the pandemic started, and uh, this coming Saturday, the 15th of May, I'll be telling some joke jokes on the Don't Panic Comedy Showcase in Post Falls, Idaho at the Draft Zone. The Draft Zone is a comedy room in the back of a bar, in the back of a vape lounge, in a strip mall next to a pizza shop. This room is absolutely incredible. It's so much fun. So if you're in the Spokane, Northern Idaho, Panhandle area, come on down to the Traff Zone on the 15th and have a good time. The lineup is going to be great, and I'm very, very lucky to be on such a good show with some killer comics. Um, It's a free show, and the doors open up at 7, and the show starts at 8. Come on out, and it's going to have a good time. All right? Uh, This week's episode is actually a plicanometry first because the guest on the show this week was one of the first people to just reach out to me on my email. You know, he was listening to the episodes, he heard all the introductions, and he said to himself, like, probably, like, hey, Chris is encouraging people to reach out if they have any questions, comments, or concerns. I might as well shoot him an email. He wrote to me, and he was like, hey, can I be on the show? And I was like, absolutely, dude. When can we make it work? Uh, So we coordinated, we figured it out, we made it work, and he showed up to my house. Uh, He showed up with his lovely wife and his adorable son, which you'll hear him uh, scruffling around in the background because I just invented a word called scruffling. Um, And it's going to be all right uh, because this is real life, you know? And we had a wonderful time recording, uh, and he's funny, he's genuine, he's great, he has a lot of great things to say. And uh, and that goes for anybody. If you want to be on the show, dude, reach out to me, man. Why not? Let's chit-chat. Let's talk. Let's do it up. Um, so I really hope that you guys have a blast with the episode that I have with my dad's oldest sister's husband's first wife's only son. You can't really be bashful when you do what you do. No. Right? It doesn't work out very well. Um I struggled with that when I was going through my paramedic clinicals of mm-hmm. like, um, what the heck do I know? You know, sure. like just that deep seated um, <laughs> unworthiness. <laughs> <laughs> we can get into to that if you jump want. Jump right in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> so, being a paramedic, you're, I mean, it's no joke or, I mean, everybody understands that it's like it's a very high intense job mm-hmm. or high intensity job. And, when you're talking about like your deep seated unworthiness, <laughs> <laughs> I had this uh, issue of walking in and just 
automatically assuming that the people thought I was an idiot, even though like I know what I'm doing, but it took a little while to be like, no, really? these people called me. They expect me to know what I'm doing. <laughs> so uh, they hold don't on. Automatically so they, assume they call so me an idiot. <laughs> they call 911. You're 911, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you show up and you're like, I don't think I got this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and they kind of need you to get it. Yes. That's funny. That's so, an interesting situation to be in. I'm no longer there. Uh, and what do you do? Quite now? as much. Well, no, I'm still a firefighter paramedic, but oh, okay. I've started to move past the people think I'm an idiot automatically. There you go. Um, I was up in Bozeman doing some ride-alongs, and this flight nurse medic woman that just knows shit tons about medicine sure, finally looked at me, and she's like, you're a fucking paramedic. Stop <laughs> being a weenie and act like it. I said, okay, sorry. Nice. So I did. And Sometimes you need a little bit of a kick it in the pants. From yeah, and she did a great job, and so... Now, pretty much every time I walk in, I'm like, I'm a fucking paramedic. There and you that's go. That's how it is. Nice. So. That's good. It's good that you announce that every single time you come through the door. At least to myself. I'm the fucking paramedic. <laughs> At least to myself, I do. I don't. That's awesome. So what kind of talking points do you got? Oh, boy. Let's see. No sense in wasting time. Right. Well, let's start off with the fact that... Uh, I have three moms. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Context. Context is always yes. great. So your mom is the first wife. Correct. And you're the youngest of the first wife. Yes. I'm, okay. I have three older sisters from my mom. Um, also context, I am not directly related to Chris. <clears throat> Through blood. Through blood. Uh, you're, let's see, we've done the polygonometry. Yeah, so you are my dad's oldest sister's husband's first wife's youngest son. Yes. Got it. So... Uh, with that, I'm getting faster at doing that now, mm -hmm. by the way, like <laughs> just from sitting down and like trying to figure out like the titles of episodes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I've gotten a lot quicker. Which is I don't good. know why. Yeah. It's just an interesting little thing that has been a side effect of sitting down with folks, but it's a fun, we do polygonometry all the time like, <laughs> in my own family and just, you just have to, we right? Can. Yeah. And you know, I, since I'm not directly related to you. I, my family and I, like my direct sisters, mm -hmm. and I would always joke about being purebloods of Pinesdale. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I don't remember which one it was. You guys talked about the Harry Potter reference. Oh, okay, where yeah. Where Jessup's were the Slytherin. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. no, in my form, Jessup is muggle blood. <laughs> <laughs> we're mudbloods. So you are mudblood. So... Like, my half-brothers, because both of my moms, other, like, not my mom, but Mama 2 and Mama 3, yeah. were both Jessups prior to marrying my dad. Does your dad have a type? Um, <laughs> feisty? Does he have a type? <laughs> I just, I think it's funny. Anytime uh, a polygamist has an odd number of wives... I try to see what the majority commonality is and then just label that as like, oh, he's that kind of guy. So your dad's like, he just has like a thing for Jessup ladies, you know? Yeah, I must. <laughs> and then my mom. <laughs> so statistically speaking, he kind of does on paper. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Mudbloods. Yeah. I, won't, I won't take that as, as an insult because mudbloods no. aren't real things, but. <laughs> Correct. But we would make jokes because like all of my half brothers were, were like, they have to do math of like, my brother would go to my mom and be like, okay, I like this girl. Can you please find the relation? They went to your mom yeah. for the... Mm -hmm. My mom was the ancestry woman for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so 
they would always talk about like, oh, well, you can't marry this girl because you're directly related this way, but you can marry her sister because of a polygamous twist. The the infamous polyga twist. Which, have we explained the polyga twist to I, we've the right person? We've, we've uh, it's been expressed on the show before, so I think it is definitely worth, I mean, so many terminology or little tidbits that, I, you know, me or one of the guests say on the show, just like, I just assume that that's just common knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, that's definitely a blind spot that I have as far as being a host is concerned. Yeah. But yes, Which thank you for, thank you for pausing me and helping out the lay person. So the polyga twist. The polyga twist is, I don't even know exactly how to describe the polyga twist other than like, I could marry any one of your sisters because we are not related by blood. But yes. my brother could not marry no. because you are first cousins. Yes. So that's the people need to just draw a diagram for themselves. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about like trying to do that and just like posting it on Instagram and mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, so it's one of those like okay, so plug a twist. Uh the blood relation is one of the most important parts of the, tl- the polyga twist because that's kind of where it revolves around, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're sharing blood, then it's best to avoid procreating, procreating with that person. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, I would say that that's like a safe thing to say. Like not a lot of people are going to get upset about it. But a lot of times the families that we grew up around, they, they didn't have a a gate like your mom was for you and your siblings. <laughs> like your mom Didn't provided like this, keeper. yeah, this filter <laughs> of like, Hey, yeah, actually you probably shouldn't be entertaining that. It's like, ah, oh, well, I guess that's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> for okay, future we'll, just, generations. we'll cut that one down yeah. real quick. Uh, but if you hear my child, just deal with it. I procreated. Yeah. You procreated. Uh, <laughs> Dude, congrats. You did it. <laughs> Thanks. You, you've, you've done the most. Is that the most important thing anybody can do? Do you think? According. Yeah. I mean, I don't have kids of my own, so I don't, it's hard for me to. It's pretty great. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming because everyone that I've talked to that has had kids have been like, oh, that's awesome. Except for a few, a few of them are like, oh my God, why did I do this? <laughs> but well, that happens. Uh, yeah. If you didn't plan it out, I could see where you'd get the, uh, oh God, what oh, did this yeah. happen? There you go. Uh, yeah. We planned it out. Nice. So it was. It's really awesome to know that because you guys are a fairly young couple. Yeah, I'm twenty. We're both twenty six, um, but we both started our careers pretty early. I got hired on yeah. the fire department at twenty two, and then we bought a house and all the stuff. Um, Starting a family, dude. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's wild to me to to interact with folks who are like younger than me that have kids. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, just because I have. A, I mean, I've, I've explained this before on the show, but it just scares me. If, to think of me having kids right now, it just is the most terrifying thought ever. Mm-hmm. Just because of like, I need to be where I need to be in my life before I have kids. So I'm, I usually chalk it up to like, well, or, you know, people say like, oh, you're, you'll never be ready to have kids, you know? And I've heard that a lot. Yep. And I was like, well, I know I'll never be ready, but I want to be the most ready I yeah. can be. <laughs> I mean, we had a house, both had jobs had planned it out and like, okay, we're going to have a kid. And then when she was pregnant, I was like, oh shit, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> like, even oh after, God. So even after planning it, you're still, oh yeah. Hesitant. Until, yeah. until it happened. Sure. Just sheer terror. And then after that, just sheer terror all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared constantly. Yes. Are you breathing? 
yeah. constantly. <laughs> so you you and your sisters had this um, oh yes the interesting perspective. So pure blood meaning. I was meant to diversify the bloodlines of Pinesdale. Yeah, because you kind of came in from an outside source. Yes, both of my grandparents came in from outside. On your so, mom's side? No, on no, both sides. Oh, yeah, that's so right. My dad's dad was not part of the group. He was but then converted in. Converted in from Rulin, I believe. Kind of okay. found Rulin and sure. was brought in. Um, my Yaya, mm-hmm. everybody knows who that is. Yeah. Well, from Pinesdale. Um, well, there's no name attached to it, so we don't have to not, drop that out. That's true. Um, and so she actually married my mom's dad in Utah. Mm-hmm. No religious affiliation whatsoever. Had her four or five kids, whatever it is. And then got divorced. And then Yaya married John Ray. Mm-hmm. She was his sixth wife, maybe? I don't I don't know. Six I, of twelve, somewhere know. in there. Yeah. <laughs> um and so that's how they came into the group. So no yeah. <clears throat> group blood result. I resulted from no group yeah. blood. Yeah. Um, and so my sisters and I would always joke that we were the pure bloods because <laughs> we didn't have to worry about that. Tainted, there, there's there's blood. a few. <laughs> aren't there a few other f- folks that grew up in Pinesdale that have that? The pure blood. Um, yes, but I couldn't tell you who. Dang it. Um, that's the next question I have. I know there's more. I'm just trying to remember. There has to be, right? There's got to be. I don't know. I don't either. We could sit here for a long time. There's a lot of people. Yeah, it's really good listening. (laughs) It's really good for the listeners to hear us just say, um, Um, for like um, 20 minutes. Random name that gets dropped out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's fantastic listening. Um, But with that, pure blood. Sure. Came, jump into a little bit of the darker stuff for a second. Um, Came what I felt from, you know, I can only say my perspective. Sure. Um, came a lot of isolated feelings from the group. You'd talk about a lot of having friends constantly everywhere you look because you're related to everybody. Sure. I feel like I got looked down on and left out of things because I wasn't a dress up. Oh, okay. Because my brothers mm-hmm. all have dress up blood. They were included in so many things immediately yeah. accepted into the group. Mm-hmm. And I was bullied and lots of things at school. Um, to the point that, like, I only went to Pines Academy first grade. And, and then you went down to... And then I went down to Corvallis. Um, yeah. The biggest um, point of that was I was standing in line by the marble benches. Mm. <laughs> and just somebody came by and shoved me over. Wow. I've got a scar right back here. Like, behind your ear? Yeah, behind my ear. Because I hit the corner of the marble bench. That's and right outside I, the doors, right? <clears throat> yeah, right outside the chapel. Yeah. Um... And nothing ever, like, nobody got punished about it. Nothing ever happened. I just, like, my sister and my aunt came and took me into the girls' bathroom, took care of it, and I went to school. That was it. End of discussion. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, dude. It happens. (laughs) Yeah, but still, it doesn't make it okay. No, it was pretty (laughs) shitty. Um, And so with that came a lot of um, when my doubts started about the church were pretty early. So the marble bench sounds like knocked some sense into you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> knocked some sense into you. I'm sorry, that's a horrible joke to make. But. I love it. <laughs> so, so at that time, so you're in first grade mm-hmm. at this time? So that's, and you're like, you know what? People are treating me bad. Mm-hmm. And then you started to kind of like think about things in that way? Well, yeah, because I mean, you're, you're at church. 
Yeah. And we're told that we're all God's children. We're brothers and sisters and yeah. everything. We love each other. And then I'm getting shoved into a marble bench outside of church. I'm like, this this is bullshit. Yeah, like, definitely. And as a first grade kid, you're six <laughs> years old, like that, that, re- that, that logic follows and it mm. makes so much sense because yep. you're like, wait a second, we're supposed to be nice. That's not nice. Nothing Something's about wrong. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blood isn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you started to have these doubts on just kind of the concept as a whole, as, as much as a first grade kid could probably, you know, surmise and, yeah. and, and digest from the situation. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I continued to go to church. I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but I went, but I never got the priesthood. Oh, um, you never ordained? No. And you call yourself a pure blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I got close, but first of all, priesthood meeting was at what, six in the morning? Yeah. I like to sleep. Yeah, same. So I didn't go. Yeah. Uh, that one was hard. I went a few times, and you already covered the wooden spoon talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I ever received the wooden spoon talk, but it was infamous. So yeah. even as someone that didn't attend priesthood meeting a whole ton, uh, I knew about it. Yeah, it's so weird that we, like, and for those who, for those of you who are listening who have no idea what it's like living in a group, like my guest and I grew up in, stories get passed down, and it's such it's such a tight knit community that you know the hilariousness of that specific lesson has has permeated down through and now it's like this thing that everyone knows about Mm -hmm. and it's one of those inconsistent things of like wait a second what why are you talking me about oh spoons right and and sex this doesn't make sense to me yeah it's really weird it's a very weird conversation to have with a 12 year old (laughs) and you're 12 you're 12 right 12 when you should get the priesthood I mean, that's usually what it is, yeah. Because yeah. you get baptized at 8 and then priesthood at 12. Because yeah. you have responsibilities at 12 Absolutely. years old. Absolutely. Yeah, God pays attention. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure that you're following the teachings when you're 12 and you don't understand anything. When all I really want to do is go smack some trees with a stick. Yeah. It makes a cool sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to just shoot my BB gun at squirrels, and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. But responsibilities get in the way of that. I know. Cause Bunch you, of nonsense. Yeah, you got to take care of your salvation and stuff. Your eternal perspective when you're 12. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous at, when, you, when you say it like that, you know? It really does. And one thing, have you covered the whole where the wives sit on Sunday? It was mentioned in an episode because, okay, so actually, you're the perfect person to talk to about <laughs> it. Uh, okay, so there was a, a, a brief mentioning of this concept. And the concept is... When a polygamist man takes his families to church, there is a very interesting thing that usually happens with which wife gets sat next to the man in church. And I had always thought that there must be a schedule that's part of that because everything has to be on a schedule when you're a polygamist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And your family, in my opinion, is the best example of that. My dad did a very good job. Because of who your dad is, who your mom is, and who your other moms are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All three women. Maybe your dad's type is like hyper-organized. Because your dad's hyper-organized, right? Yeah. I'm just, my mom's not. Maybe in her own way. I love my mom, but yeah, in her own way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. But definitely, he's got 
just strong women in general. That's true. Very <laughs> All true. All three of them are strong in their own way. Yes. He just kind of rolls with it for the most part, I think. I mean, your dad is like the most, from what I know, <laughs> it seems like your moms are like kind of like no nonsense folks, mm-hmm. but are, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not horrible dictators. No. <laughs> um, but your dad seems like the most chill. Because he just kind of like wants to be like having a good time, but also when things need to get done, your dad can get shit done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting seeing my, well, all of my parents, but specifically my dad now versus when I was a kid. He's Completely definitely, different yeah. person. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just the whole religious changes, the great apostasy of 2015. I think that's when it was. Something like I that. mean, it started before yeah. that, but that's when things. I like the phrase "great apostasy of 20." It's turning into a term, and I like it. Is. it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's not my thing, by the way. I didn't. Oh. I didn't create it. So, well. credit does not go to me. Credit to whoever <coughs> said it. Yeah, yeah whoever <laughs> um, got it. But there is a schedule with all things related to polygamy. I mean, you have to. Yeah. So my dad was at a house, different house every night. He'd be at my mom's yep. one night, Mama two, like Monday night, my mom's house. Tuesday night, Mama two's house. Wednesday night, Mama Three's house, back to my mom's house, and yep. I would rotate. And so wherever, so with my family, we didn't eat dinner every night. We had three separate houses. So you guys didn't have like a collective family dinner every single night? No. With all three with wives' all three families wives. and stuff like that? <clears throat> Correct. We, sorry, context here. So mm-hmm. I have three moms, and they have three separate houses. Yep. All within a quarter mile of each other or yeah. something mm-hmm. um, in the Littleville, that is my family. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the section, area. Section of Pinesdale that is my family. There's a few villes in Pinesdale. There are <laughs> suburbs, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so my dad would rotate between those houses, but each night he would also go up and say good night to each wife, mm-hmm. and then he had to be at wherever he was staying, say seven o'clock or something. So he had to get everything done before seven, and then he would be where he's going to be for that night at seven. And then where, wherever he happened to be Saturday night dictated a lot of things. Oh, wait a second. I think I might know. Is there, since there's three. Yep. That means that once a week, your mom would be seen twice, right? So Probably. So it would be, so say Monday is your mom. Okay. Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday is your mom again. Yep. And then Friday, Saturday. Did your dad have Sundays off? No. Dang it. Sundays were not a day off the, for anybody. Well, I know that. Despite what the <laughs> Lord wants. <laughs> it's supposed to be a day of rest, and it was a day of running from church activity to church activity. Yeah. But, so Saturday... That's just the way the math worked in my head. If I was a polygamous guy with three wives, I would probably advocate for that. Have a day off, right? Yeah. Whichever one it was. It didn't have to be Sunday. I don't think my dad had a day off ever. That's true. <laughs> you never do as a polygamous guy, no, probably. you don't. Yeah. Uh, so first <laughs> Look at us foremost, <laughs> talking as if we know what it's <laughs> as like. As if we know what it's like to be a okay. polygamous man. Anyway, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. <clears throat> oh, you're fine. So Saturday night dictated, first of all, every week we had a family lunch. Instead of every night, it was family lunch. So oh, wherever okay. my dad stayed Saturday night, that house was going to make a massive lunch for the rest of the family after church. On Sunday? On Sunday. Okay. So, and then, so for church... The schedule of who sat where, yes, was where he sat or where he stayed Saturday night was on one side of him, 
where he was going to stay that night was on the other side. And then the outcast wife and was then on the outside. The Monday wife was gonna the be the Monday wife was on the the furthest the away. Furthest, <laughs> sitting next to whichever wife she wasn't fighting with that week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to make sure I have this right. So the th- the most when it comes to the context of sitting in church, the days Saturday, Sunday, Monday are the most important. Yes. Okay. Saturday night's wife, right next to him. Right next to him. Say on the left side. It the didn't always side. have to be, but we'll, it, but we'll just for for simplicity's sake. Yeah. Left side. Saturday night. Saturday wife. <laughs> right side. Right side. Sunday wife. Sunday night wife. Right side of that wife. Monday night wife. Got it. So that way it was a rotating schedule. So he wasn't always sitting next to the same wife. So would it be like, you know, Saturday wife, Saturday wife's family on the left side? Or like... No, we kind of sat wherever the heck we wanted. Okay. As far as our family. We always sat behind you, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. That was like... Because every every family had their spot. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it wasn't a... There was no... Etched in the wooden (laughs) bench, but pretty much it might as well have been wood burn. No, that was that, that was definitely a thing. Like there was no seating chart in church. I mean, the chapel's fairly small. Yeah. Um, but the fact that like each respective family one hundred percent had their spot, and if you were sitting in that spot, it was like it threw everybody's groove off. Yeah. Like when you show up and like the family that normally sits a row ahead of you is in your row, you're like, "What the fuck, man? Yeah, that's, that's not your seat." Whoa, 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 you wouldn't say that. You would say, "What the frick, man? What the frick? <laughs> but, what the frick, man?" <laughs> but yeah, like. How interesting is that, that like we were so habitual as a community. This is like, we're not talking about like, you know. One or two families. One or two families. We're talking about 700 people Mm -hmm. and they all had their own spot in the chapel. That's so funny to me. And then there was the cry room. Yeah, the cry room. I would just go up there. Just to hang out. Yeah, (laughs) to avoid church. That's That's where my grandma went if she ever went to church. Oh, yeah. yeah, she never came down and sat in the congregation. She was always up in the in the cry room. And I always remember asking my mom if I can go hang out with Grandma. And she's like, no, you need to eat your Cheerios first. Uh, Cheerios in church. And then the little velvet stick-on. Did you have that? The velvet like, stick-on? Like the velvet book with, like, the velvet oh, the f- oh, that oh, you Oh, the would, felt stuff. Yeah, felt. Okay, yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah, because they're quiet. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you can quiet, so you it's can a quiet toy. And put Daniel in with the lion's den. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Those were fun. <laughs> how, how interesting is it that the... the <laughs> there's probably so many people that are listening to like us talk about like our experiences as being little kids in church. Mm-hmm. And then they have like, well, no, our family, we had this. And that kind of stuff is so interesting to me. Like, like my family, we sat right behind your guys' family. Mm-hmm. Um, and your grandpa was always right in front of us and his wife and, you know, kids and, and, and everything. Mm-hmm. The ones that were like still around our age. Yep. And then like, I remember sometimes like toys, whether it's like a, you know, a Hot Wheels car or something like that, like accidentally getting like thrown, like, oh. and then it's like going under a few benches in front of you. And then you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get that toy back? It's the middle of church. We're trying to be holy. That's not reverent behavior. Right. I there were so many times where I was like, "Well, that toy's gone. It's, it's gone. It's forever. gone. I, I, the Lord has it now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's in the Lord's hands." <laughs> oh my God! And then one thing, while we're on the subject of church, I'm so glad that you've mentioned the bread floaties. <laughs> it's just I don't think people understand. Like when I was doing my paramedic clinicals in Rexburg, which is like 
Mormon central. I mean, it's like the most Mormon place other than Provo. Even then, Provo might be having to run for its money at this point. I think Provo- that's true. Yeah, Provians. yeah, you might. <laughs> Provo. Provovians. Proverbs. We'll call them proverbs. <laughs> the proverbs are retreating to Rexburg. Yeah, the hellish Salt Lake City people that are no longer Mormon are invading oh, Provo. That's so funny to me. Anyway, but I was so you're in there. Rexburg. Yeah, working in Rexburg, doing my paramedic clinicals, and I mean these people are uber Mormon. All the nurses, everybody. Like the first day. One of the nurses was on the computer buying new, like, trying to re-bind her quad. Oh, really? And, like, looking at colors and designs and all this <laughs> stuff. So I was like, oh, boy. That's what we're looking at Okay, here. okay. So then I just straight up told them. I was like, so, I grew up in a polygamous community. Just You dropped the polygamy just bomb. Just know that about me. Dropped the P-bomb. So they had some questions. And I mentioned the sacrament and how, like, each row had one glass well, or I mean, two it w- glasses or whatever it was. Like each section yeah. of the church had a glass that would be passed. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's disgusting. <laughs> well, they are correct. It They're is like, disgusting. We have individual little like shot glasses. Yeah, dude. Grape juice or water. Or have water. you ever been to I LDS haven't. Church and done sacrament there? Dude, no. so much more efficient. Is it? Yeah, because they have like small little plastic. I mean, they're not as big as shot glasses, but they're slightly bigger than a thimble it's like oh. the size between a thimble and a shot glass okay. if you want to think about it yep. a small little plastic thing with the water in in all of them um and you just like it's a basket that has like all these holes in it with all these respective little cups oh, okay and then you just take a cup out take your sacrament and then you like discard the small little plastic cup into the basket itself oh like the way that the basket was constructed so it was super streamlined that way and then you would just pass from person to person down the row Instead of, you know how in church, Instead because of, you would have to, you would, pa- like the, the person who was passing the sacrament would pass the cup to you, mm-hmm. you'd take a sip of your sacrament, you give it back to them. So it's like this exchange, 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 oh, yeah. all the way down for the entire row. And you had to give it back to them. Instead if you of, tried to hand it to your neighbor, that was a no-no. Yeah, no, because only priesthood holders could technically pass, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the sacrament. So is that what that was about? I think so. I could be wrong about that. That's the way that it works in my brain. I'd say it tracks. Yeah. So then in LDS church with the bread, you, it's the same thing, a basket full of broken up pieces and you would just pass the basket down and that was it. But with us, it was the plate, the really ornate crystalline plates, right? With just a big old pile of stuff on there. You have to hand it back and do all that kind of stuff and, and everything else. But since you had the bread before the water. There were always old lady floaties. Because I there was always some lipstick from that some old lady had oh, just lathered yep. on there. And you would turn the cup. They would turn the cup so they you didn't would, have to grab it. Right. And like I would try to avoid that. <laughs> and they would like turn it and say, drink from the old lady lipstick. Yeah. Like, Ugh, gross. Yeah. And then, I mean. I always felt good when you got, like, the top to the middle of the glass, but then there was, like, the end of the glass that had all the backwash and everything, Uh, and people would, like, just down it. It was like, ugh, not okay. So, and do you think that's part of the reason why, like, pineys don't really get sick that often? Because our immune systems are so stacked from essentially making out with your aunt. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) So nasty, dude. Anyway, so gross. So. Okay, yeah, so the bread floaties are, are a constant 
I was so excited when like they would get you seconds. Remember that? Oh yeah. Like those days, because especially like on fast Sundays or something, where like <laughs> they would come around with an extra plate of bread, and you're like, oh my gosh, and I then, need the calories. And like at that point, because before it was one piece per person. Yep. Once they were at seconds, you could grab dang near a handful, <laughs> and just <laughs> eat half a loaf of bread because they were trying to get rid of it. Yeah. Those were the days. Those are those are great. <clears throat> how how many mouths do you think could fit around? the rim of the glass without them technically like touching because the glasses were like normal size gl- like they were you know kitchen I mean, wear this glass like this yeah just like that so how many like sips do you think could be oh, around like just a teeny tiny little sip um yeah you could probably get maybe 10, 10 or 12 folks before you had to repeat yeah <laughs> and hope that at that point it killed the bacteria i mean maybe I don't think anybody has antibacterial lipstick. <laughs> I can hope. <laughs> and I think that's probably like part of the reason why, you know, you want it to be a little bit more towards the front of the congregation because mm-hmm. you'd be getting it first or you would time it to where maybe that's the reason why there's so many different types of seating arrangements. People had a plan based on the sacrament. They want to get the, they want to get the first sip. That makes sense. Maybe that's what it is. That makes perfect sense. Because, I mean, there was always that, like, they had to go refill the glass. Yeah. Could, at least once. Oh, they had to do it multiple times, probably, right? Yeah, I would think, but... I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, that's what I've got for the sacrament stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my feelings there. Oh, okay, let's talk about some piney dances. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, what about piney dances? I thought they were super fun. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to, we've touched on this before, but the conference dance was one of the biggest days of the year. Absolutely. For sure, right? Mm-hmm. At least for me it was. And I was, and I'm going to be full, full honest, I was, a, I was prepping so much for the conference dance when I was a kid to the point where I would show up before they started like setting up the music. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like family, yeah. When they were setting up the music and everything, I would just like show up, like dressed, <laughs> ready to go. Like I'm so excited for this event, man. And Chris just definitely there six hours early. Yeah, like a total dork, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I remember showing up, and um, one of them were setting up. They're like, "Why are you here?" I was like, "I don't know. I just wanted to." They're like, "Well, do you want to help set up?" And I was like, "I don't know. I don't want to like." You do anything wrong. They're I like, don't want to okay. get dirty. They're like, okay, sure. And so I just sat there <laughs> in the gym <laughs> while people were like filing in for the dance. <laughs> I was the first one there. That's I was amazing. 13. That's what am amazing. I doing? Yeah. Got to find the bride before anybody else does. So I've actually been trying to find some of the music from Michael the dance. Buble. Well, I it's mean, yeah, Michael Bublé. <laughs> I mean, anything that has a soft jazz feel to it. Yeah. But there is a... Like one, I don't, I can't find the exact track, but. I could probably talk to my parents. They were in charge. Yeah. Of you guys were doing dance committee time. for yeah. forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they were awesome when my family was in charge and then somebody else took over and I went, th- cause you know, my family always had like streamers going from the center disco ball. Oh yeah. No, you guys. Yeah. No, your family, Great. like when it Chocolate came to dances. Fountain one year. Yeah. Awesome. Chocolate fountain. There's a fondue dip dude that like. Yeah, it was lit. It was great. And then I remember after my family was finally like, okay, we've been doing this for like six years. Enough is enough. <laughs> We're not going to do it right now. Yeah. And somebody else had a dance, and I show up, and like just the gym lights are on, and 
like a rate a Bose speaker, which is in the corner. I was like, <laughs> this is the most half-assed nonsense yeah, dude. I've ever seen. No, it was like a spectacle. Oh yeah, when your family was in charge, it was right. so fun. And I think that's why like there's such a memory for me because I would set them up and then show up and be like, oh, the disco balls on, yeah, yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, you would rarely actually dance. I think I just sat in the corner with all my friends. Really? Yeah. Dude, I was a dancing fool, man. Really? I loved it. I loved dancing. Um, just because it was like, I mean, we'd ha- we had dance class. Mm-hmm. And we learned all the dances. And right. so every Thursday or Friday or whatever it was, um, we would like show up to school wearing our bolo ties. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> that was fancy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the turquoise buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and really old Wranglers. Um, and like hand me down church shoes, uh-huh. uh, your dad's cologne. Well, just well, my dad's, no, it was definitely my dad's cologne. And you would walk into that bathroom that's across from the gym and you would like <laughs> walk in and it'd just be like this cloud of ax body spray. Yep. And it was just so gross. And so it, like you would open the door and like a cloud of mist <laughs> and a bunch of like fifth and sixth grade boys like, yeah, we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't shower, but I bathed in cologne. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to go do the Virginia reel? Um, yeah. And there was so much fun. And I always felt like those were some of the most important things. Just because, like, for some reason, I always viewed it as a, almost like a, like a trial mm-hmm. of, like, how can you handle being a social person in this community? Because that was, like, the most social thing. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and I'm not the most introverted person. I'm also not the most extroverted person. It kind of ebbs and flows for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so during those times, I wanted to make sure that I was like on my game. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not not game (laughs) as in like being able to pick up chicks or anything (laughs) like that. But like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm like acting accordingly and show that I can have a good time while also being like a functioning member of this amazing principle Mm -hmm. or whatever. Especially since you had to be what, 12 to go to dances? Yeah, 12 and up. just my parents' rule. I mean, I mean, there were family dances every now and then. Yeah, there, no, there's like were, twelve and up stuff. Okay. That way, I mean, the the family dances were always fun too. Oh yeah, because you had a lot of the same things, but it was just a lot more chaos because there was uh, kids there doing a thousand kids just running around. Yeah, <laughs> two, three, four thousand, <laughs> something, something around there. Yeah, just pure chaos. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, man, those are so fun. Oh yeah, and so at one point. I was pretty good friends with your sister, Haley. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm starting to understand a little more <laughs> listening okay. to this podcast. Because at one point, <laughs> I was told that I couldn't hang out with Haley anymore because I was a bad influence. Wait, from, from, from my parents? From your mother. Oh, granted, I don't know that she directly told me. It's possible it was a bunch of bullshit. But oh, no. the rumor mom. is your mom said that I was a bad influence and so Haley couldn't hang out with me. At the time, I was like, I mean, I know I'm a little bit of a hoodlum, but I don't think I'm that bad of a person. Now I'm starting to wonder if it was I was a little too involved in the church, and she thought I was going to try to pull Haley back into the the piney ways. Because I was could probably, call, I could call her. Oh, you should. I'm going to do it right now. We're going to call. We're going to call my mom and do it. She's going to have no memory of this. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to call her and sweet setup. You can hear it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, mom. Gonna get to the bottom of this. <laughs> if she answers. Hey. Hi, mom. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm just parking the car. Me and Finn are in Missoula. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, don't say anything super incriminating because you're on the podcast right now. 
Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, I'm si- I'm sitting down with Tyrell, and um, he told me some a little bit of information that we wanted to make sure that we we understand what was going on. So when Haley and Ty were like best buds when they were kids, did you okay. did you ever tell Ty that he can't hang out with Haley because he was a bad influence? Oh, gosh, no. I don't ever remember anything like that. Tyrell, is this Did, what we're talking Stoker? Yeah, I'm right here. Hello. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hi, Ty. Hi. Is it possible that you told anyone else such a thing? I don't think I ever said anything Bunch like that. lying. <laughs> well, that's a horrible thing to say to anybody. Right? No, in fact, it was probably just the opposite. People were probably told not to hang out with Haley and our family because we were a bad influence. Well, it was when I was going through my hooking stage. That? Oh. Like, I, how old were you kids? I was probably eighth grade, maybe. Eighth so grade? Haley oh, that. Been. See, and Haley, are you and Haley the same age? I think she's a year younger than me. Yeah. Okay, so that's when we were leaving the group. Well, yeah, and so that's, so I'm wondering, because for some reason, I don't remember who told me, but I was told that you said I was a bad influence. I couldn't hang out with Haley. <laughs> so I apologize for any, you know, no, dirty looks heaven, I may have given no. you. <laughs> Your family, Tyrell, are you kidding? <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, then no, I had the I, thought process of like, well, maybe you thought I was trying to pull her back into the polygamist ways, because it wasn't oh, the time you guys were leaving, but... Now it's just a bunch of nothing, so I'm glad we cleared this Yeah, up. now it's just a bunch of nothing. So let that rest in your heart that, no, we would have never, ever done that or That's said so anything like that. I don't even know who would have told me such a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for clearing that up, Mom. I appreciate Thanks. it. Oh, absolutely. And enjoy the rest of your podcast. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later. Love you. All right. Bye. Bye. That's funny. How cool is it that we can, like, take phone calls? It's fantastic. Yeah, man. It's cool. I'm glad we cleared that up. Me too. Now that does that provide a little bit of catharsis for you? Like now you can rest easy. Absolutely. In that, I mean, in I that rested corner. easy for a while, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad that now that part of that facet of your memory bank can be like put to rest. It's a lie. There we go. <laughs> All right. My mom might have lied too. I don't know. <laughs> no, she wouldn't that's do right. that. Well, let's just first talk about. <clears throat> Well, no, we don't need to cover Sundays. We kind of already did that. Just how busy they were for such a restful day. Yeah, dude. That's kind of an interesting little tidbit of how we view the Sabbath. I mean, you wake up. You go to, well, you go to priest meeting. If you were a good penis holder, like <laughs> myself. <laughs> uh, you wake up, you go to priest meeting, and then you go to Sunday school, and then you go to church, and then there's the afternoon nap, and then everyone 12 and older goes to fireside at like 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. So, yeah, for the day of rest, you're doing a lot. Yeah. Doing a lot of things. My family threw family home evening in there at five. So you do family home evening and then you would go to fireside. Yeah. Whoa. It was terrible. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did a little bit of the same kind of thing. It wasn't, it was kind of family home evening-ish, but it was always like after church, you just show up to grandma's house Mm -hmm. and everyone would be there. There'd be a big family dinner with, with everybody, you know? Um, and in fact, your mutual family mm-hmm. or our mutual family, mama number two and their kids, uh-huh. uh, would always like show up at the beginning of that. And then afterwards would go and have the family home evening with your, oh. the rest of your guys's family, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember that being a thing too. Interesting. I never felt like, you know, mm. like jealous or like, why are they going over there? <laughs> this is our family. Nah. Um, 
because obviously there's multi multiple facets to being a, <laughs> in a polygamous relationship. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, a very busy day. Yeah, and then there was always the, was it fast and testimony meeting was the first Sunday? I think so. First or last. That I don't know. one was just, I remember those being ungodly long. Well, yeah, because you're, everyone would come up and say the exact same thing in different words. Yeah, so fast and testimony meeting, I mean, I haven't been in so long, but basically it was church where instead of having like a program or like set lessons from people in the community or whatever, it was like you open up, you, there might be, you know, you open up with prayer and then a song and then they like do like some, like the guy who was conducting always bore their testimony and then just basically like opened up the floor to everybody from the community to just like, if you feel the spirit to, if the spirit is compelling you to walk up on to the pulpit and start bearing your testimony, then you were encouraged to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to do that. It was required in, you know, when you got to be a certain age in Sunday school, like you had to, yeah. that was a requirement for advancement. You had to go and bear your testimony. And yeah. that was so scary. Oh. Do you remember that dude? Oh man, I, I didn't know the heck. I, <laughs> I had called bullshit so long before that I was like, I'm just here because I'm told them to be here. <laughs> So and did you, you never bore your testimony? In no, it? I did. But oh, I did? just like somebody ahead of me, like said, oh, Joseph Smith is the prophet and whatever else. So I was like, I'm going to say that. <laughs> I walked out and just regurgitated what they said and walked out. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I don't know that I ever meant a single thing of it. I just was there. Did you ever have to do a two and a half minute talk? Oh, I did. But I don't remember what it was on. You know how long my two and a half minute talk was? Five minutes. No, it was uh, about 45 seconds. That's awesome. Maybe. I got up and I said, I'm going to read a scripture. <laughs> oh, I just remember I saying totally that, remember. like, I, I, I can't remember which one it was. It's somewhere, in too. somewhere in 1 Nephi. Somewhere in 1 Nephi. But I, I, I was like, I'm going to read this. <laughs> I remember going up and being like, I'm going to read a scripture. <laughs> then I opened up my Book of Mormon and I read something from 1 Nephi. And I said, some, I was like, Nephi was a good prophet, and I hope to be like him someday. And then I just left. <laughs> well, you get up there, and there's like 700 people just staring you down. And you're terrified because you're 12. Exactly. Salvation is important when you're that age. It is. It's a big deal. You have, to, you have one, to prove your worth to God. <laughs> I remember one fast and testimony meeting in particular. It was like August. So it's oh. like 100 degrees. It's just hot. And it, this had been going on for hours like everyone <laughs> had the lord tell him to come up and say something and so then marv council member gets up yep and he wasn't up on the council or he wasn't seat. conducting uh, no he was so just he in was the down in the congregation. congregation so he old man waddles up there yep takes about five minutes and i'm like oh no <laughs> this is gonna be so long <laughs> i was like ready to cry and then he just walks up there and just screams at the top of his lungs, Hallelujah! And then just turns around and walks off. <laughs> just the one thing, and he just walks away. And then they got up, and they're like, well, I think that's a good place to end it. We'll there, done. Dude, that's so great. How? Because you know for a fact that he was fed up with sitting there for oh, so absolutely. long. Absolutely. So all he had to do, that's the way that he said, enough of this bullshit, <laughs> yeah, we're real. done. I need to go home and nap. I'm 75 years old. I need to rest. I need water. <laughs> <laughs> I know I got a few calories from that water that I choked down. <laughs> that water I had to chew. <laughs> 
He always did the hurrah for Israel too. Remember yeah. that? Yep. Yep. So it's awesome. Those were always a good time. I always enjoyed it when he did that, just because it was kind of like a real, you know, left turn from the the typical tone yeah, of the meeting. So reverent. It was yeah. always you know very God and. I believe he's the true prophet. You know what I mean? But then when he would go up and just go, Haraf for Israel! <laughs> <laughs> then I'd be like, he would like, he would like, whoever was conducting would actually wake up. Because <laughs> they were had been asleep for so long. Yeah, man. They all slept up there. And then there's one, you know, you're not allowed to clap during church. Oh, yeah, clapping during church was irreverent. But people would always perform. Oh, people like, would sing all the time. Sing all the time. Play the, the kids violin. Would get up there yeah. and do their thing, and then nothing. Just crickets. Dude, it's like, how that's hard? So rude. Yeah, man. So one time there was a little group of kids that came up and they sang "I am your sunbeam," and she just wants me for a sunbeam, whatever <laughs> the heck it was. And then Marv got up and he's like, "I think the God, God would be okay if we clap for those kids." Uh. So then the whole congregation claps, and I was like, "Oh, this is so badass! <laughs> oh, this is awesome! We're clapping in church." Dude, yeah, why was clapping, was it just because it was too loud? I guess, because, yeah, you have to be quiet when you're reverent. It's the only way to be reverent. Yeah, it's hard to clap when your arms are folded. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's how you showed Show that you were reverent, reverent, is if you had your arms folded. Yep. Yeah. Unless you're a woman, according to... Yeah, unless you're, unless you're a woman, then you can't do that, because when you fold your arms, you call attention to your breasts. But if you put your hands behind your back, it calls attention to your butt. And so you kind of just stand there like a mannequin, mm -hmm. like not really knowing what to do with your hands. Which was interesting to listen to because like I never even thought about that. And that's I a, was a male because <laughs> I didn't have to think about it. <laughs> well, yeah. And like how interesting of a concept is that we didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So like the communication between the, you know, respective sexes mm -hmm. was just so absent yeah. that we didn't even understand <laughs> what it was like to be female growing up in the, in the community, yeah. you know? And it's a serious blind spot. Oh, the more I'm like listening to the podcast, because I found it very therapeutic, by the way. Oh, really? Extremely. Oh, well, me. that's well, that's very nice of you to say. Because, um, I mean, I've, within the past little while, had realized that I've got some issues I need to sort through based mm -hmm. on our upbringing. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I think everyone does. Yes, <laughs> and I'm seeing common themes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just nice to like listen and be like, oh. I agree with that. I'm not alone. This is amazing. <laughs> um, lost my train of thought. It's okay. You're talking about the catharsis, listening oh, to the yeah. podcast. And so with that, I'm realizing how much like secrecy there was that like I had no idea about anything. Yeah, man. I'm like, I mean, I know that I was kind of disconnected, but I feel like I I grew up in this place. I should know yeah. a little more of what's yeah, going on. Yeah, man. Isn't it wild? Like, I did not know that like, the official temple clothes were a thing. Like, not temple garments, the temple clothes. Yeah. Like, the, the chef's hat, the apron, the all that. Oh, I man. no idea that was a thing. I don't know. Maybe I should call my mom <clears throat> again. <laughs> uh, she'll be able to get riled up real quick. Oh, yeah, I bet um, she could. Yeah, so, like, there's the, the everyday garment, mm -hmm. and then there's the temple garments, and the temple garments are significantly more uh, obvious, Funny if that looking. makes sense. <laughs> looking i mean now that we're talking about it we're both going to hell now so yes. yeah uh the the hat the the apron i mean i don't even know like i don't want to like talk too much about it because i don't know the exact details of everything no. so i don't want to be wrong about stuff mm -hmm. um because this is an area where i i do want to be right 
Well, about it was it. just interesting to me. Like, I had no idea it was a thing. Like, when my grandpa died. He oh, was, when you saw him get buried in it. He a, was buried in it. We had the viewing. Yeah. And all I remember thinking is, like, why is he buried in such weird-ass clothes? <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea what they meant. Wait, did grandpa die as he was making some pastries? <laughs> For real, though. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like they took, like, those accordion curtains and made some clothes out of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know I'm going to hell, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just. But yeah, no, those. Uh, yeah, so the the temple garments were basically like the what you would wear when you were doing temple work, um, down in Bluffdale, okay, um, in Utah. And pretty much any time you're in the temple, as if you have already right? received, you're if you're not going through the first time, then yeah, you're in them. Okay. Eventually, I'll get someone on who we can go through the entire temple ceremony and and that, and yeah. that kind of thing. It's just interesting, like that. I grew up in it my whole life, and there's so much that I don't know, just based off of the complete secrecy. Well, yeah, and place. I think that's a it's a kind of a glaring issue, at least for me, because mm-hmm. you know we talk about you know honesty is the best policy, and like you need to be forthright and trustworthy, and you know all of the we believes in but the article. I'm gonna lie to you your whole life, but in the event that you ask a genuinely honest and curious question about what happens in the temple, nobody's allowed to talk about it mm-hmm. because it's too sacred, quote unquote. And that's kind of an issue. And I mean, my thought and opinion on it is that, but I think it's kind of an issue for, for folks because I mean, for me, I think the reasons why they don't talk about it is because while they do say it is sacred and I'm not claiming that it's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, sanctity is something that's kind of a, you know, subjective. Yeah. Um, But it seems as though from my perspective and that my perspective only that both the church and the AUB purposely don't let people talk about it because of how fucking weird it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> if you do have an open dialogue about it before people go into that process and that, you know, situation, then people are going to be like, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds weird. Right? Like Pele ale. I have to slip my throat <laughs> in order to protect Joseph Smith. Like that's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing I, that they say. <clears throat> Like you have to disembowel yourself if you like break your covenants with God. And it's makes like, no sense, dude. Why do we have to do that for Joseph Smith? <laughs> like, <laughs> because he is the Holy Ghost. Like, well, I mean, I mean, not depending on who you talk everyone, to, <laughs> but that's that's up for debate. If some people say that it's the part of the trilogy, the Trinity, uh, Trinity trilogy. I like the trilogy <laughs> sound better. It sounds a little bit more Hollywoodized, and I like it. <laughs> the God trilogy. I mean, coming this summer. That accurate, isn't it? <laughs> Marvel needs to pick up those three movies. Um, yeah, so I think it's definitely like a, a purposeful omission of the truth in order to make sure that people don't. Well, I think that's part of. I mean, part of um, a cult is yeah. secret because people want to be on the inside. So the more secrets you have, kind of gives people the right. the I desire right. to get further into it to uncover these well yeah i think yeah i mean i've I've done a lot of thinking about you know our upbringing and the similarity like i believe that it was a cult that's just kind of how i classify it in my brain and i mean while it might not follow the anthropological definition strictly i mean close enough yeah like the only difference between a religion and a cult is how many members are in it you know like could you imagine dude think about this what if polygamy, the AUB, what if the AUB had the same amount of people as the Catholic Church? Oh, boy. Okay. And then what if the Catholic Church 
had the same amount as the AUB does. Everybody would be like, he's wearing a funny hat and he calls himself the Pope. Like, why is he speaking this dead language? Very good point. He's riding around in this like weird car that's like you can't shoot through it. Like it's the Pope Mobile. Like what is the deal? Like these guys, they're painting ashes on their foreheads like every Easter. These guys are fucked up. This weird crazy cult, right? Yeah. But since it's in the reverse and Catholicism Heaven. has been around forever, yeah. people are like, I don't know. I just grew up like Roman Catholic. That's normal. Yeah, but like whatever. What you're doing is fucked up. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. So to me, there's no difference. Oh, no, not at all. And I feel like things were a little more culty mobster-ish in the John Ray days. Oh, yeah. And then during our... <laughs> he needs his own episode. He does. I mean, he's not going to be able to sit down, obviously, because he's not around. But no. like his legacy needs to be it's hashed something. out. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get somebody on that can, that can hash that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then once he left and for our upbringing, it was... Less culty. I like the term soft cult. Yeah. Because it was a cult, but like not mobster culty as John Ray days. Yeah, we weren't like sacrificing virgins or anything. Not to say that John Ray did, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) No, he didn't. Um, But they embezzled money and whatever else. Yeah. Um, We're going to get there, by the way. Oh, good. It's coming down the pipe. Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, But now I feel like we're kind of heading back. Stricter cult. Well, from from twenty like the Great Apostasy, you know that schism that happened. Mm -hmm. You know, people kind of doubled down on their beliefs. They dig their you know their respective heels into the sand a little bit more, Mm -hmm. Um, and that unfortunately turns into yeah, going and kind of retracing steps and repeating belief systems and and that kind of stuff. You know, and it's sad. It is. And at the same time, I'm kind of thinking that it's some of the most entertaining thing of my entire life. Very interesting <laughs> to watch from the outside. <laughs> yeah. And so then kind of want to get into the, you know, you've kind of asked each one of your people what they currently believe that haven't left. Sure. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I've struggled with that a lot. Okay. Because I feel like there's this expectation of once you decide that you don't believe in God or you don't specifically believe this religion, then you must have all the answers. So explain to me why you don't believe it or explain to me what you believe is right. So I had this big... Can I stop you really quick? That's a really interesting thing to me because when you are are groomed to believe a certain thing in Mm -hmm. the AUB, you're kind of under the expectation or the guise of we have the answers now. Mm -hmm. And what you said was really important where if you differ from that at all, the people from the former belief system Mm -hmm. jump on you and say, oh, you think you've figured it out? Detail every single facet of your belief system. But if you were to say that to them, they wouldn't be able to do it. Exactly. And if you can't detail every single thing that you believe, they're like, well, you're just an angry ignorant and arrogant person yeah yeah piece of shit the left except they don't yeah they talk they don't talk that way that's just me yeah <clears throat> you, you piece of shoot <laughs> you piece of shoot um and so i had this big struggle and then i've kind of gone into a struggling with depression and anxiety okay. and stuff and i was at work the other day doing a workout mm-hmm. a couple months ago and it was like someone whispered in my ear straight up like we're we're talking and it was you aren't allowed to be happy because you don't you choose to not have a relationship with God, like someone just spoke you, that you, in my ear. You that's what you heard. <clears throat> that is what I heard while you were working out. Yes. Oh my God! And I was like, 
I mean, it makes a lot of sense of why I would think that because we were always told that God is the way to true salvation and happiness. Mm-hmm. Cut that out of my life. Like, nah, nah, that's some bullshit. Yeah. Now you're it, and, wrestling with that. Yeah. After I heard that, I, it actually helped because I was like, that's some bullshit. No. Oh, so you, so you were able to kind of like recognize that that was something that yeah. might have not been It was healthy. kind of a realization of like the deep-seated feelings that I grew up with mm-hmm. and just them coming to light out of nowhere for some reason Whoa. and like just kind of brought awareness to those feelings and I could rationalize and be like, no, no, that's like shit I was taught younger. Whoa, that's, that's really, you know, that's pretty advanced because a lot of people when they have that self-talk, um, not to say that it was you telling yourself that because yeah. with the way that you're describing it, it was a little bit more of an outside type mm-hmm. of um, thing, an external stimulus almost, yep. even though it probably was an external stimulus. Like you can, like people hear things, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not the most unheard of thing mm-hmm. to, you know, talk about what you experienced. And it's so, so I don't have a tumor. No, I mean, you might, <laughs> you're the paramedic. <laughs> so do a self-assessment real quick. Are you oriented Q4? <laughs> I think I'm all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- that's just, it's such a weird thing to know that growing up in the way that we did can cause whatever trauma, mm-hmm. you know, that people have experienced so much to the point where you're, you know, I'm not saying that you're hallucinating, mm-hmm. um, but to have that level of, you know, attachment to those, you know, memories and, and feelings and, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. And then for you to be able to hear that and recognize that that's not actually how you feel and that's not actually what you think mm-hmm. and being able to be like, oh, finally, the crazy part of myself is trying to rear its ugly head. Looks like not, not today, Zerg, you know, <laughs> not today, Zerg. <laughs> hit you with a tennis ball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's really cool, man. It's cool yeah. that you were able to recognize that that was not actually who you were mm-hmm. and being able to move and on so from it. So with that has actually helped me a bit because I was able to kind of rationalize now and be like, I just feel like I need to have an answer because of the expectation I feel like other people have. Sure. And at this point, I don't know what I believe and I feel like that's okay. Like, Dude, that's so rad, man. That's where I've landed at this point of like, that's so great. I don't know and I'm fine with that. Yeah, man. <laughs> You know, like a lot of people need to have the answers, mm-hmm. right? They need to have some sort of framework in order to operate. Yep. And that makes sense. I don't fault anybody that, you know, if they feel as though they get a lot of whatever religion they believe in, um, as long as they're not actively hurting people, I don't give a shit. Exactly. And like I tried to, for the longest time, to, you know, say I'm agnostic or I'm atheist or I'm spiritual, but not religious. Not religious. None of those fit. They didn't resonate with you. Didn't resonate. I would try to make it work. And then finally I was like, you know what? I don't know. And if people have an issue with that, fuck off. Like, yeah. Yeah, man, for <laughs> this, sure. This is my life, not yours. Yeah, so exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Um, which I kind of felt like I wanted to really bring that up just because I know that listening to this has helped me. So if there's anybody out there that's in a similar situation to me, maybe that can help. Yeah, man, for better. sure. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. So, yeah, no, that's 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 great. I think that there's, I mean, there are people that do listen to the show that have reached out that have been in the similar vein of like, I didn't realize that this is what was going on, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the blissful ignorance and that kind of stuff. I just got an email just the other day from from a guy who was mentioned in an episode um, and knew who, who like that he knew that that was him. 
so okay. he reached out. He wanted to like clear some things up, oh. um, but in a, like a fun way. He was like, "Oh yeah, that's actually not how it happened. That's not what I remember, but it's cool, man. Like not a big deal." And he was driving back to work. He was like living in another state and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Yeah, man. Like this is a really interesting thing that you got going on here." And hopefully people understand that there's a lot of really good people still in the group and and that kind of thing, you know? Um, And I do feel like I have a couple talking points of like happy things in Pinesdale. Let's Um, get to those. (laughs) Let's get to those. Those sound awesome. So let's just talk like Boy Scouts. Oh, dude. The awesomeness of Troop 99. Okay. (laughs) So back in the day, Troop 99 was a, it was a thing in Pinesdale, you know, a lot of, you know, our dads were yep. in, were involved with it. And then it just, I don't know what happened. Like it just went away or something like that. And then uh, brother Owen got up during conference or something like that mm-hmm. and said that they wanted to like reinstate it. Okay. Um, and my dad describes that experience just from what he's told me is that he was sitting there listening to brother Owen talk about it. And then he leaned over to my mom and said, I want to do that. And she was like, all right, sweet. Sounds good. And that's how my parents got involved with it. Well, your dad um, rocked the shit out of it. He did. He did. There's very few things that my dad does not rock the shit out that, of. That's fair. Um, but yeah, and then it turned into a Cub Scout troop and a, or Cub Scout pack and a Boy Scout troop. Mm-hmm. And dude, Troop 99, like we dominated everything. Dude, Klondike's, the sheepskin oh. was ours. Uh, yeah, like every year. There was like 30 lines and 28 of them were Troop 99. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Occasionally we would leave a couple people home. <laughs> and then we would lose <laughs> or like the rendezvous yeah I man. loved the rendezvous and so like, let's get some context oh, yeah. so the the rendezvous was this um event every year uh south of pinesdale in like on a ranch and it was a mountain man rendezvous where we basically lived and learned and you know interacted with you know men who are trying to replicate the, what the lifestyle was like for fur trappers and mountain men in the 1800s, 1700s, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, muzzleloader rifles, yeah. tomahawk throws, uh, canoe fire race, building. fire building. It was like, I mean, it was like Boy Scouts to the max. It was awesome. Yeah, it was so great. And we would rock it every year. Like, I don't even know how many wall tents we had. <laughs> were the, first, it was the canoe that you won, and then it was wall tents after that. And, like, yep. second place was, like, backpacks and camp stoves and yeah. all this stuff. So, finally, we were like, guys, like, dumb it down to second place. We have enough wall tents. We don't yeah, need more we're wall good. tents. We don't need any more canoes. <laughs> yeah, we're good. And then, so we just rocked it. Like, it was known that when we show up, your chances of winning are gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had one of the biggest troops as well. We had, you know, close to 125 kids. Yeah, and then the rest of the troops were like 10. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, they had, I mean, there was a few of them that were pretty big too. But um, but then I will say this though, we dominated, we had a great thing going with Troop 99 and it was doing so great and all this stuff, you know, cranking out Eagle Scouts left and right. Oh, yeah. Both of us are Eagle Scouts, yep. like, you know, so many signs were built in Pinesdale because oh. of <laughs> because of Eagle Projects. Absolutely. I built a sign. You built a, built sign. a sign. Gazebos. Gazebos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was great. And uh, I mean, the welcome to Pinesdale signs were Eagle Scout projects from your older brother. Yep. And so uh, we were we were rocking it. We we're doing so good. Hmm. And then I don't know exactly what happened, but things deteriorated to the point where it was embarrassing. Yes. Like. I was already out a few years after, or a few years before you got your Eagle. Um, and like coming back from college and like just hanging out with the troop again and like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
like it was just gross. Yeah, it was not like even by the time I was kind of getting out, it was not what it used to be. But we still had a lot of fun. Mostly yeah. with you guys. Like I remember at the rendezvous, were you there when we tried to explode river rocks in the fire? Uh, yes, I was there. <laughs> I mean, there's the uh, there's a campfire and then there's a bonfire that most people call a bonfire, which we called a piney fire. Uh, <laughs> and then real real bonfires were entire trees. Yeah, it's <laughs> pineys are pyromaniacs. <laughs> Absolutely, like there's a real. reason I'm a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was that or arsonist, so I decided to go with fireman. Yeah, being yeah, at least you're interacting with fire, right? Yes, in a way that's legal, exactly, <laughs> and helpful. Yeah, I would say though that 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 concept, you know, being a point of pride, whether we were mm. going up to Melita or going to you know summer camp or whatever. Very weather on the Oregon coast, that one was fun. That one was a great one. Um, but there's also something to be said about the respect that was given to other troops that we did not give, in mm. my opinion. I think we that not. we we had that uh, we're better than you. Because we're from Pinesdale. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, we did do great in competitions. We did. Um, scout skills were great, but that also came along with a lot of treating scouts from other troops, like, pretty horribly. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And I'm embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I engaged in that behavior. Yeah. But. We all did. But was it you or Devin that slept on the hot dirt? From the River Rock. That was Devin. Was it Devin? That was Devin. Yeah, that's definitely a Devin thing to do. Always in my brain. (laughs) So for context for people, we heard that if you throw River Rocks into the fire, they will blow up. We found out that's not a thing. They just glow red. And so we (laughs) threw... We, we dug a trench, um, like I said, well, not a trench. It was, you can't call it a trench, but we basically dug a long hole that was maybe six inches deep. Basically a shallow grave. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we heated up these rocks to the point where they were literally glowing red <laughs> and tossed them in the hole and then buried them. Yep. Um, and then Devin <laughs> uh, slept on them. I don't even know if he had a sleeping bag because it was that warm. Yeah, I don't think he did either. Yeah. He might have and not. I mean, it's in October. Yeah, it's so it's cold. It's it's chilly. There's there's frost on the ground <clears throat> when you wake up in the morning for sure. Except for around his little section. Yeah, so and I think was he was great. fine. I remember one year he also showed up with just like a giant insulated suit that he used for a sleeping bag. Do yep. you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That's dope. So. Yeah. <laughs> wants to contribute? We can get him a microphone if we need to. <laughs> Come in and Much say his piece. <laughs> So the other, I mean, I've got, sorry, I had a lot of things to talk about. That's totally fine. Um, I am, I'm good to go for the next hour and a half. I was hoping that it's kind of good that we showed up early because I had expected this to be kind of a long one. Yeah, sure. Of course. um, One interesting thing to talk about is me growing up in our community. Sure. But then my wife grew up with absolutely no religion whatsoever. You know, I was actually curious. Did you want to get a microphone and sit down? I mean, I know that you're kind of busy, so. I can take care of the munchkin for a minute if you want to sit on here. What? Whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, so you, <laughs> I've always found that to be awesome. Like, there's always this concept in, in Pinesdale, like, you got to kind of marry within the group mm-hmm. in order to be a pure blood, <laughs> uh, to keep the, the, the line clean, yep. so to speak. Um, but 
I'm in a relationship with someone who was not affiliated with Pinesdale. Uh, my sister married someone not from Pinesdale. My other sister married someone not from Pinesdale. Um, you married someone not from Pinesdale. So what was it like to bring your wife, like when you, when you guys were dating, like how was yeah. the first interaction? Well, we were in high school. Okay. For one. <clears throat> Junior year in high school. So at that point, my family was very major religious yes. still in the group. Yep. Um, there was one time for my brother's Eagle Court. Yes. Uh, I went down and got my wife from her house, and she was wearing shorts, you know, short shorts mm -hmm. that are very typical <laughs> for a for someone in attractive this girl to wear at the time. So, yeah, I mean, you, you're a high school girl during the summer. You're going to be wearing you're shorts. You're going to wear shorts. Cool. Um, Great. So she asked me, should I change to go up? To our house. Really? You said that? She did. And oh then I was God. like, oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It was not fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what made it not fine? Uh, Were your parents like... So we get to oh, okay. the gym to help set up. Sure. Because there's going to be a couple hundred people at this Eagle Court. Yeah. And my mom just looks at Mikey, looks at me, and was like, why is she wearing that? It's like... Your uh, mom said that? Oh, yeah. In front of you? That's oh, what she said? so much worse. It gets worse. Oh, my God, Mikey. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it wasn't even that, like, my mom was worried about what she was wearing. It was her concern about what other members of the community were going to say about me yeah. and them and the gossip that would ensue from uh, it. Oh, no. So, they had my so sister. I, 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 don't, I don't mean to interrupt, no. but... That's, I was going to say, that's really surprising to hear from your mom. Yeah, it was, it was her fear of the gossip and issues that it would cause. So your, so your mom didn't have the problem with it, no. but she was protecting her social sensibilities. Correct. At the time. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to put your mom on blast. And no. Be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay. Um, and so she had my older sister, who was about the same size as Mikey, bring down a pair of pants. <laughs> or did you have to go to my house to change? Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, she was made to change. Um, oh, my God. Before that. Dude. So <laughs> that's a big one that uh, was very interesting. Because, you know, God forbid you show your knees, Mikey. Oh, my God. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I mean, they were a little risque. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your dad has a thing for Jessup's, but you just have a thing for knees. <laughs> Specifically, like two inches above the knee, oh, that yeah. little thigh section. That's that's it. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a joke, people. It's a joke. That's funny. Um, and so, there so after so that was a pretty significant situation to be in mm -hmm. because it was a very real like oh we need to make sure that we're being a little bit more tactful yes in our interaction so from there how did it end up because obviously now well, you guys are out and, and all that stuff my family's loved Mikey from the get go mm -hmm. they did make her talk about Jesus and I did not rescue her so you didn't that was a bad move on my part well, I oh I want to know what happened all right so we got to start from the beginning. When they first found out that I was dating Mikey, my dad asked me, he's like, well, what if she doesn't believe in God? I was like, I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. And he didn't really like that answer too much. And that okay. was before I even knew about the lack of religion in her family. 
okay. of any kind. Okay. <clears throat> then we had the conversation. She's like, oh, I hate this question. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> My bad. Um, sorry if you don't want me to be talking about this. Oh, okay. All right. In the moment, permission is always the best. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and so from there, I think my dad purposely would encourage her to talk about Jesus. Oh, he, would, he, like, would, he would grill you? He would call on her for prayer. At <laughs> really? I mean, that's, I don't even know if it was like a purposeful thing. That's really kind of a... Or if of my dad a, just did it. You know, knowing your dad's kind of mischievous side... I could see it. I, I could see that happening. <laughs> I think if you thought about it now, he'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. We were at family home evening one night, okay. and we were going around the room talking about Jesus. Just each person had to say what they liked about Jesus or what they knew about him, and it got to Mikey. And she just looks at me, and I was like, saw you, girl. <laughs> 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 Threw her to the wolves. And then she's like, um... I don't know. And my mom's like, oh, you have to know something about him. So then she was like, he's a nice guy. <laughs> you know what? He is a nice guy. He is a nice guy. Good good answer, Mikey. That was great. And so then the other, I mean, there were so many different things that once I started dating Mikey, because prior to that, prior to meeting Mikey, I had met this girl from Rocky Ridge Okay. that I had started to date or at least tried to. And so like I was... Convincing myself that I was going to live polygamy. There you go. Because of this girl. Like I oh, had. and for some context, Rocky Ridge <clears throat> is basically the Pinesdale of Utah. Yes. Got it. Um, so sorry, I'll get back to the Mikey. I got to go through this real quick. Sure. So we had met at a youth function. And then okay. I was, like, that was when I started going to priesthood meetings. And ah. like I was going hard. You were going hard convincing for myself. the girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I went down and I was like, all right. I'm gonna. I was on the phone with her at one point. <clears throat> and her dad was in the military and he was home on leave or something okay. and heard us talking on the phone and he just yells out, I want 10 cows for my daughter. <laughs> so I was like, do you have 10 cows? I went and got like little plastic cows, like the ones you squeeze and they poop or like, Oh my God. Like, I had 10 cows and there was a dance down in Utah that I was going to and oh I was going to be there. my God, so dude. I show up and I'm like, can I talk to you for a bit? So we go up, we're having a conversation, and I was like, so I just want to ask if I can date your daughter. And he's like, well, I don't know. And I handed him the 10 cows, and he opens it, and he's like, you think this is a fucking joke? I was like, wait, he said effing? He did. Oh, he did. And he, did? he was like red face. and I was like, I did. I thought the 10 cows was a joke. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, this man's in the military. He could kill me in so many different ways. I don't even know. <laughs> I was terrified. So you were just trying to be like cutesy, fun, whatever. Just I'm a kind funny of... guy. <laughs> <laughs> and very humble, as you can see. Okay. So you decided to go and just kind of like be like, ah, uh -huh. yeah. Like, yeah, I got you 10 cows. He did not appreciate it. Oh, my um, God. And he told me that I had to read the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, the Book of Mormon, and the Bible, and go on a six-month work mission before I could date his daughter. A work mission? Yeah. Like, they had those? Uh, they did in Utah. His son went on one or something. Like, that was after the fact. Like, oh. first he said you have to read these four things and get your priesthood and, like, get the... Melchizedek priesthood? Yeah, Melchizedek priesthood. Okay. I was like, all right, I'll work on that. And then, like, 
few months into it, he's like, oh, you also need to go on a six-month work mission. I was like, dude, screw you. Like, <laughs> she's not worth that. <laughs> as I mean, bad as that. <laughs> I mean, I was willing to spend $10 on these dollar store things, um, but six months working, <laughs> indentured servitude is not worth it for your daughter. I'm sorry. And no hard feeling swords or we just were not meant to be. Okay. Well, there so you go. So that was just kind of the line that I was like, all right. Enough is enough. You weren't willing to work that hard? No. <laughs> so, where was I with the Mikey thing? Um, so, you you went and had this interaction with this per- this girl that you thought you were going to marry because you thought you were going to live polygamy. Oh, yeah. And so then I started questioning about going back to my, I don't know about this whole Pinesdale polygamy so, religion thing. So, military dad's <laughs> request for 10 cows and then him not thinking it's funny... And mm-hmm. asking you to do a six month work. That was like, that was yet another nail in the coffin for yes, you. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. And then I had met Mikey and her family. And there's, we were kind of taught that the only people that go to like straight to hell are people that don't believe in God. And like Adam yeah. and they say, he's yeah. not real. Which I'm not saying that they Adam and they say he's not real, but at the time I kind of thought so. <clears throat> okay. We have since had conversations with him. But. I was like, these are some of the best people I've met my entire life. And you're telling me they're going to hell. But like this rapist murderer guy that says, oh, on his deathbed, Jesus is my savior. Like he goes to heaven. Like no way. Yeah. Nothing about that tracks. Yeah. It doesn't really. Make so I just had sense. this big line of things that just really pushed. Kind of snowballed away. into mm-hmm. where you had to just be like, yeah, I can't really reconcile these beliefs. So yep. abandon them. Pretty much. Okay. So. So it sounds like you guys like leaned in, well, I mean, you specifically like leaned into that. Like you had, you know, the interaction with, you know, your, your soon to be wife needing to change your clothes in order to be around your family mm-hmm. to now where it's all just fine. Oh yeah. I mean, I was the first one to like live with her out, out, in sin outside of marriage. Oh my God. Um, when we moved to Missoula, we got an apartment together. And you guys, you're trying to tell me you're a pure blood, but. At every corner, you're proving me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I'm a terrible pure blood. <laughs> I meant my genes. Pure <laughs> genes. Is that better? <laughs> I did not diversify the bloodlines. There you go. So it sounds like it was a pretty interesting process to like navigate while you were still navigating your own thoughts and opinions about. So it's actually. So it sounds like your relationship with your wife, when you guys were dating and everything, was kind of the vehicle for you to leave. Almost where you had to kind of, you know, okay, is this belief worth losing my, you know, you know, the person I'm in love with over Mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing. So that's, yeah, it's a really interesting spot to be in. It was definitely the, my way out. Did you ever, um, (laughs) did you ever have the PMO thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one of my talking points. Oh, was it? It just was on there. uh, Oh, cool. To bring up the, like, I was definitely there. Um, like before I went to the youth conference that I met the girl from Utah, I was definitely like, my You're, mom forced me to go. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> so again, for context, PIMO is an acronym, P-I-M-O, for physically in, mentally out, where you're just kind of going through the motions because you don't want to upset anybody or hurt anyone's feelings. And honestly, I'd say I was, I was PIMO most of my life. Really? From like that six years old that I kind of like... I would keep doing things like try to convince myself of like, well, this is 
what I'm being told. Yeah, you would you would play the game. Go, yeah, I played yeah. the game and it just it did not work for me. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm like if it works for you, great. Awesome. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat. Just did not float my boat. It sunk my boat. Sunk your boat. <laughs> sunk your boat. Yeah, that's that's so tough. I mean, there's been people that have reached out and have talked about that concept of I mean, it's not even just with AUB no. or Mormonism. Like, there's so many people out there that feel as though they're just kind of going through the motions of whatever they need to do in order to make their parents happy or their partner happy or their, you know, whatever, their boss happy and, and that kind of stuff. And in my opinion, just kind of like bringing it to a little bit more of a general sense, like that's a really dangerous spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, it can be um, because essentially you're just, you're kind of living for other people and you're not really being yourself Mm -hmm. and that definitely sucks because you can only be you right yeah um and unfortunately there's folks that are out there that think that like no i need to do this in order to make sure that i have you know i'm doing it for me and it's like yeah you're in a little bit of a denial there man like you got to be able to to do what you want to do and and that kind of stuff like yeah and like if you're like really think about it and like if you're doing this to make somebody else happy not yourself happy you're never gonna make it and you're never gonna be happy you're never gonna be happy and it's not your responsibility to make somebody else happy yeah you are responsible for your own happiness not somebody else's so many podcasts have that (laughs) as a as a thing yeah a lot of self-help stuff Mm -hmm. but if i've been doing a lot of that (laughs) yeah have you you've been reading a lot of the self-help stuff oh yeah what are some of your favorites um, I listened to the power of, or no, not the power of now. I need to listen to that one. The, the new earth by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, okay. That one's pretty good. Yeah. I have, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Yeah. I didn't realize that he would be the, uh, narrator and he has a very thick accent. So it took me a little while to, cause I was an audiobook. Oh. And I think he's German or something like that. So it's a very thick accent that you gotta kind of wade, wade through. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All <laughs> but right. It's a good book. Okay, and it's what it's called, the New Earth. Yeah, the New Earth. And what is what's what is his kind of main thing for that book? It's been a while. He talks a lot about the pain body. Okay. Um, and how to address that and just bring it to light. And it's a lot of self healing by acknowledging traumas and things like that. It's all, <laughs> and what's funny is that like that's not the most revolutionary idea. Mm-hmm. And usually most ideas aren't that revolutionary. It's just the the way that people describe how to, f- you know, go and work through it that is the the main thing that makes people famous or write books and, yep. and, and like that kind of stuff like um one of my favorite books I've ever read is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I have that one. Dude, have you not have you read it yet? I haven't finished it. Oh, it's great, man. Yeah. It's great. The way that he describes that whole lookout on life of like, you know, don't give a fuck by giving a fuck. Right. Or giving a fuck by not giving a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And like each is either it's in the app book or Mikey had watched a podcast. Oh, okay. The subtle art of giving, not giving a fuck. And it's each person has a certain amount of fucks to give. Yeah. And like <laughs> if this isn't making you happy, don't give your fucks to it. Like, like yeah. keep it in your basket until you find something that you want to give them away <laughs> to. Cause once they're gone, that's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you can get them back, but it takes some It takes work. some time, yeah. Um, and then the other one is uh, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Okay. I've heard the title. <clears throat> and that one's pretty much just you do you. Um, yeah, I mean, it talks about meditation, like five minutes a day at sure. least or something like that, which I could be a lot better at. <laughs> well, I mean, you can be mindful in a lot of different ways. Meditation mm-hmm. doesn't have to be just like sitting in a on a yoga mat going, Oh, you know, like you can yeah. do 
like meditative acts are a lot more versatile than just, you know, that. doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that one I've listened to, I think twice. Okay. Um, Cause you was, needed to hear it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, those are, I think the books that I've read so far. Nice. I've never really been on the, the self-help train. I mean, I kind of have to a little bit just because of my job. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> like trying to figure out the best way to communicate various ideas and, and concepts in the context of therapy. And, and that, that kind of thing is, is definitely something that it's like a skill you have to hone, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the patient and the person you're talking to and, and all that stuff. But we don't have to get yeah. into the self-help thing. No, and I mean, but, at least you have... Um, trainings and stuff to help you through a lot of those things. I mean, yeah, without the books, yeah, a little bit of it. And I mean, I mean, it's not to say that I know, you know, everything there is to know about therapy because I'm oh, not, no. definitely not. But I mean, a lot of experience and stuff with de-escalations and trying to get people to like calm the fuck down, uh-huh. <laughs> which is its own set of skills that are extremely difficult. And I still kind of suck at it. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do. But I just, like I said earlier, I just hit him with drugs. There you go. You just hit him with drugs. Put him in a K-hole and sayonara. (laughs) Call it good. Uh, Let's see. Did you have any questions for me? Um, Yeah, but I think we kind of answered them. I was going to ask you the the church seating arrangement part. Okay. um, Because since, again, since we sat behind you in church, Mm -hmm. like your family, I always thought about that. Because it would rotate. Yeah, because it would rotate. And I would be like, wait a second. What's going on here? There's a system going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And your family has systems for everything. Yes. So Which, I think maybe the, the overarching part of like what I wanted to ask you or talk about with you is, is that part. Because just from what I know of your dad and your moms, mm-hmm. like you guys are a very efficient with, I mean, not, family? yeah, not to yes. say that you guys aren't without your struggles, right? Cause mm-hmm. every family has them. Absolutely. Um, but your family in particular, for some reason sticks out in my head of, my dad has been told multiple times that, like, when I think of polygamy, you're the family that, like, picture-perfect polygamist family yeah. thing. Because um, he did a very good job. They all did wonderful. Um, I remember when it entered our family, actually. Mm-hmm. I think I was five, maybe. Yeah. But that was an interesting process. Yeah. What was that like for um, you to, to get another one? <laughs> well, you know, it was exciting. Because we're always told that that's what needs to happen. But we were at um, my mom's house, and they all brought us in where we have prayer before Sunday lunch. Mm -hmm. So we want to tell you something. Like, okay, what? And they're like, well, we're going to get another wife. And, like, the whole house just erupted in cheers and happiness. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. Um, And then at that point, they had all, you know, gone on the group dates, and my dad went on some... Sure. Personal dates, whatever. So then it was to the family courting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting <laughs> concept. So the dating life of a polygamist is something that all people are always curious about. Mm-hmm. And so you brought up family date or group dates yep. and personal dates. Yep. So that is interesting because, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But for some context, when a polygamist man already has two wives... Um, and there's another one that he's interested in and, you know, bringing us to, you know, a part of his, his own family going on dates in, individually is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like always, but you also, as a polygamous guy, take whatever wives you do have on dates with the person that you're courting mm-hmm. as a means of kind of like, do we all gel yep. in this situation? And usually it's that one first. Yes. And then once the wives are like, 
yeah, we gel, then there needs to be the somewhat of a romantic connection. Individually between. Individually between yeah. the man and the soon-to-be wife. Yeah. Potential wife. And then from there, you go on family dates. We're like, we went huckleberry picking with the whole family. Yep. <laughs> um, and then we all went to the wedding, which, looking back, it's actually interesting because you usually just go to the reception. Right? Yeah. We went to the full-on wedding. It was in the really? Relief Society room. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So they didn't go down and do the ceiling or whatever. In Until afterward. Or, or did I think they did it there. Oh, really? Yeah, I was talking to my mom, and she couldn't quite remember, but I want to say they did it there, which is... That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because usually um, that happens down in Bluffdale. Yeah, or they did it, like, right before or something. Like, it was a... They didn't go down a second time. Oh, okay. Or a different time or something. Gotcha. And then the other interesting thing about polygamous families is each how each man handles the relationships... Um, yes. like, you know, you'll see guys walking down the street holding one wife's hand on each side. And then if there's a third, I don't know what happens from there. If they like have this it's weird, kind of awkward, awkward, like behind touching his shoulder or something. I don't know because my dad <laughs> was a zero physical contact in front of the other wives. None, oh, that none was none whatsoever. That was his personal rule. <clears throat> yep. Like I would be at my mom's house and see them kiss or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And then when I was down at Mama 2's house, yeah. I would see the same thing. I rarely went to Mama 3's house by myself because yeah. they're significantly younger than I am. Sure. Not Mama 3, <laughs> but her kids. <laughs> that, that needs yes. to be clarified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, your dad's third wife is not younger than you. <laughs> no, but I, her youngest son is younger than my son. I have yes. a brother younger than my son. That's which. That's cool. My oldest siblings are like, well, yeah, I've... I have like four <laughs> younger than my kids, but it, it was just an interesting thing. That is me. an interesting like concept. My son's eight months old, and then my brother is seven months old. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to so, what, so um, your son is going to have an uncle younger than him. Yes, he does currently. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. But it's nice because he also has a cousin that's okay. That my family likes to have boys and groups of three <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah yeah not anything intentional it just tends to happen yes exactly um, but yeah so my dad d wouldn't kiss and wife in front of the other one um just to limit jealousy and things sure yeah so, yeah it, so i think that was a good practice so, oh yeah that's yeah i've heard of that being a, a rule for certain polygamous dudes and so my question is was would he so say you're down at mama two's house mm -hmm. and your mama one, your mama one's kid. Mm -hmm. So he was okay with being physically intimate with the other wives in front of various kids. Yes. So he was okay with that as long as he, it wasn't in front of the other wives specifically. Yes. Okay. Um, gotcha. Pretty much within the confines of their house. That was it. Okay. Unless it was Unless the, dinner and yeah, all the, the wives were around or something. But okay. like. There's, you know, you, especially on Sister Rides or something, you see Cody, like, walk around to each wife and give him a kiss as yeah. he's leaving. And yeah. I'm like, that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because it's still a polygamous group. You know what happens. I mean. But, like, each people family. Are, <laughs> people are physically intimate. Yes. Weird how that With works. multiple partners. <laughs> well, I mean, the men with multiple and partners. And you know that it happens, but, like, just, it's funny how each family has their own set of rules on that yeah and like seeing that is weird to me because that was one of my dad's rules like that's a no-no yeah 
not in front of the other wives. What were some other rules of his? As far as... Just, like, interesting, like, individual rules in regards to how your dad went about his polygamous life. Because you have the no contact in front of the other wives rule. You have the rule of whoever had Saturday night is does Sunday Um, lunch and the sitting in church and the systems. Yeah. I don't know if it was a rule, but especially when I was younger, my dad worked out of town a lot Mm -hmm. um, because he was a logger. Yeah. So he'd be gone for, like, a week at a time. Yeah. Which, whichever house he left, like... It wasn't like he came back and it started back in my mom's house. Wherever sure. he was supposed to be at when he left, like say he was at Mama Two's house, and then he went away for a week. When he comes back, he's in Mama Three's house. Like, okay. The schedule does not change. Yes. Other than um, anniversaries, <coughs> are a big day. Yes. And birthdays. Mm-hmm. Each wife got an anniversary trip and a birthday trip, where they would get two or three days or whatever it happened to be. Yeah. Um, when he worked out of town, he would take. At least me and my brothers um, occasionally. Like, yeah. I would go to Wise River with him for a week or whatever sure. and yeah. camp out and work and mm-hmm. all those things. And then he would also do birthday dates with each kid that okay. has gone away as they've uh, multiplied. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How many kids um, does your dad have now? Six. Sixteen. Sixteen kids. Yes. Nice. I'm number six. You're number six out of sixteen. Okay. Eight boys, eight girls. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's even down the middle. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, right down the middle. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, when we were younger, he would take us on birthday dates. I don't know when that stopped. Um, probably just as it got very busy. Yeah. <laughs> and then with him working out of town, it would be like, my birthday is February 6th. Okay. And I'd go on my birthday date in like August. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like oh, yeah. Just, just the timing. Super busy. And yeah, and yeah. So... So here's a question that I've always been curious about, regardless of what polygamous family um, people come from. Mm-hmm. Since your dad has 16 kids and he's a busy guy, he's leaving for weeks at a time, you know, he's constantly going and doing and, and I mean, your dad's like a lion tamer in the circus. Yes, he is. Like he, he, he can handle so much. Mm-hmm. Did you, like, what was your relationship with your dad individually like? Um, it was pretty good. Yeah. Overall, I know that there's a lot of people that are like, well, my dad was never around. and you're like, Sure. For my dad's situation, he did a very good job. So he made the effort, and you noticed that that was there. That was yes, he was absolutely. He, you noticed that he made it an active effort to be a mm-hmm. part of your life. Okay. Yes. The the biggest damage that I would say I had was not from my f- like dad and stuff. Um, the religious aspect and just multitude of children, I would say, damaged my relationships with my grandparents more than my parents. Oh. Um, like the grandparents on your mom and dad's side, both, or just uh, no, one or the other? Um, more so on my dad's side. Okay. Um, with, I was very close with my mom's mom. Okay. Like she took me on a trip when I was younger. Sure. Like two weeks. We were very close. Um, but on the other side, not so much. Yeah. Um, and that was another thing that there was some family history between mm-hmm. that side of the family and my mom. Okay. Um, and so then like we were told that when you were 12 and got your hunter safety, is it 12, 11? I think so, yeah. Something like that. Then you're allowed to go squeaker hunting with that side of the family mm-hmm. in Dillon. And then I remember one, it happened multiple times, but like I would go to hang out with my brothers. What's great is that you said squeaker hunting and people were like, well, what do you, what do you, what do you mean by squeaker hunting? You hunt anything that squeaks. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Typically ground squirrels, but uh, anything yeah. that squeaks. <laughs> yeah. Prairie dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And so one day I went down to hang out with my brothers and they were squeaker hunting with mm-hmm. that side of the family. And I was like 13 at this point and I sure. just never received an invite. 
Oh no. Um, and so that had some issues. Oh. And then I feel like every time we did hang out with that side of the family, it was all revolved around religion instead mm. of like the fun side of being a part yeah. of the family. And not to say that the religion religion part can't be fun. No. But um but then that was really brought to light when I saw how close my wife is with her grandparents. Okay. Um like I didn't even really I wasn't aware of it until I realized what another grandparent relationship looked like. Oh, okay. So your your mm-hmm. wife's relationship with her respective grandparents kind of like brought to head the how? lack of, you know, or similarities between it sounded like it was like, oh, that's right. what it could be like. Yeah, like it, it brought to light how far apart my grandparents and I were. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was wow. Interesting. Dang. So the polygamous part was not so much involved with your direct parents and like feelings of neglect in that sense, mm-hmm. but more just with the extent or one ring outward with your yep. first cousins and your aunts and uncles and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Okay. So, um, but yeah, my, my family did very good for the scenario they were yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah, so. for sure, man. 